Let me introduce myself to you before I continue. I'm Perrin Radley, a member of the Cathedral Congregation, and Dean Omer asked me to be available for this week while he was away to respond to emergencies requiring a priest and to preside at today's service. And I've been helping and will continue to help Dean Omer and Kyle Ritter in liturgical matters as we move from COVID restrictions to new possibilities for worship in the months to come. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. With the exception of Eve, the Apostle Thomas is the most maligned person in the scriptures. Doubting Thomas, we call him. Think of the other apostles for a moment. What word would describe them? Peter, who denied he knew Jesus three times in one night. Judas, who lost his faith altogether. And it would be hard to imagine the apostles beating a faster retreat once their master had been led to Golgotha and left to die. Were it not for the women who were not so afraid nor so faithless, they wouldn't have known of Jesus' last hours or where he'd been buried. Such worthy, such devoted followers. Why, they hid themselves in a room, kept the doors locked for fear they'd be arrested and suffer the same end as their master. Plainly, they flattered themselves. No one was interested in arresting such spineless, craven fellows. What danger could they pose? Yet there they hid out, nursing their guilt, accusing themselves and probably each other of a shameful lack of courage, a general sense of defeat and hopelessness. And all that Jesus had told them would come to pass, they seemed to have had no memory of. And I'm sure they were becoming squirrely, cooped up in that room. Goodness, we know about being cooped up. Sending the women for takeout while they brooded. Now, for some reason, Thomas wasn't there that first Easter evening. We don't know why, although a novelist would have a good time guessing. So it's thrown into Thomas's face by the others. We have seen the Lord. He isn't impressed. In another era, Thomas would have wondered would I buy a car from these fellows? He would judge for himself the truth of what they said. The next first day of the week, the second Sunday, Thomas is there too. Jesus to whom shut doors present no problem. Why, he doesn't even need doors to enter. He is there in the midst.
What is the risen one like standing there? He speaks to them as he used to. Peace be with you all. It's his voice, certainly. But does he look the same as he did when he sat with them and taught, and as they wandered by hillsides by the Sea of Galilee? Well, yes and no. Mary of Magdala, who knew Jesus as well as anyone, thought the man near the tomb was the custodian of the garden. The disciples who were on their way to Emmaus had no idea who the man was who caught up with them and joined them. But of one thing, there was no question. The gash at Christ's side, the wounds in his hands, they were his and they were healing. Christ would carry into eternity the wounds he suffered for us when he became flesh and blood. So, did Thomas need to hear the apostles triumphantly say, see, we saw him? Did Thomas need to touch that side, those wounds now? Of course not. He saw, he believed, he knew, and he said, my Lord, and my God. Thomas had come into that room with questions. Standing there in Christ's presence, he found the answers. The next weeks following Easter were to be confusing ones for the disciples. At first they thought Jesus would be back with them, and they'd hear once again him tell his parables and heal the sick. But things weren't shaping up like that. He'd be with the disciples, then he wouldn't. They had no control over his movements. He was like the wind or the spirit, coming and going as he willed. And the disciples felt a sorrow connected with that. They longed for him to be with them, stay with them. They longed for the good old days. They felt like sheep without a shepherd, and they didn't like it one bit. It gradually dawned on them that Jesus' presence with them was going to be a ministry of absence. They would have to make a go of it on their own, figure things out for themselves. They'd heard, after all, that Christ was sending them forth, and they were afraid that this was really going to happen. And to do what? To do the deeds they'd seen Jesus do. Say words that healed. Heal those who'd come to them wounded. Fortunately, they had Jesus' mother in their midst. She became the center of their life at that time, the mother who grounded them, who held them together. She gathered them like chicks under her wing, and in the process, the church came into being. 
Now there's another thing that happened to the apostles during this in-between time, and only St. John's Gospel records it this way. It's John's understanding of Pentecost. As John tells it, the Spirit comes with words and a breath. The words are, peace be with you. And then Jesus breathes on them saying, receive the Holy Spirit. That's all. No tongues of fire, no rushing winds, no crowds all a bustle hearing the good news of the gospel and no scoffers saying, these guys are drunk and it's only 9 a.m. The gift of the Spirit comes in the quiet of an enclosed room, stale from too many people staying there too long, cramped, dark. And there Christ is standing in their midst, in the very center of them, himself the source and completion of all their aspirations, the axis upon which their lives and hopes revolve. I give you peace, Christ says to them, and in that word peace, all God's gifts are summed up. The bestowal of wholeness, completeness, creativity, well-being, loving kindness, vineyards overflowing with ripeness, olives of endless age, mattocks refashioned into plowshares, in giving the apostles his peace, he gave himself. Jesus had already spoken of this in his farewell address in the upper room. He told them, I will be with you and you will be in me. We will be perfectly one. And right from the beginning of that breath, the apostles experienced this peace and oneness without really knowing it. What they did know was that they were glad, glad with a holy joy that came forth from that word of peace. Like Jesus, they were going to have occasion to forgive sins and wrongdoing, and that would begin with their forgiving each other. And whenever they spoke, broke bread in Jesus' name, they would know the joy that he was there with them in their midst, in them. And now as I draw my sermon to its conclusion, I want to turn from the disciples to ourselves. But really, there isn't much difference between them and us. Our faith, like theirs, is a sometime thing. Let the winds of hardship blow, let adversity stop us, and like the disciples, we're liable to lose our nerve. The disciples didn't know it at the time, and we don't know it usually either, but it's exactly at those times when the doors seem shut, usually because we shut them, and the way seems obscure and courage is at an ebb, that Christ will stand in our midst. 
And as children run to their mother when they catch sight of her, so we will hurry to be taken up into his arms. And as it was with Jesus' apostles, so it will be with you and me. Christ's ministry with us will be one of absence. For like the disciples, we too need to grow into our full stature, start to think and love as Jesus taught us to. That won't ever happen until we learn to walk and run and fall on our own. Christ has no intention of being our helicopter mom. And there is yet one more thing. I don't have the right words for it because it is yet to happen. At the very end of John's Gospel, you find John adding a kind of editorial remark to the effect that there were many more things that he could have put into his gospel, but that he doesn't have space in his scroll to mention. They will be left for us to discover. For the Spirit is leading us into all the truth, to discover things hidden from the beginning of creation, things even angels long to learn and to learn what part we will play in the joining of heaven and earth the melding of all things present and things to come into unity in christ in whose praise we joyfully say christ is risen the lord is risen indeed Hallelujah.